0: Have you ever wanted to coach when you're not the coach? Now, I'm talking about what we call a bleacher parent. Say say you're at a game, a baseball game, a soccer game, a volleyball madness game, a bungee soccer game, and you're the coach, and you're sitting there, and you got this yelling from the sidelines at you, saying, why did you put that kid in the game? This is the kid that every time he hits the ball, he runs the third base. He doesn't run the first base, he runs the third base. Or maybe it's the kid who, who always yells at the ref, and they're take that kid out, pull that kid, put my kid in instead. Have you ever experienced that? You're the coach, and you're being prevented from coaching. You're the bleacher parent. You want to coach. The coach. Or on the other hand, have you ever wanted to coach, and you are the coach, because you got that nagging bleacher parent, and you're just thinking, please, just let me coach. Just let me coach. I've been to all the practices. I know what the players could do. I have a whole strategy. If this player doesn't show up, I'll put this player in. If this happens, I'll do this. Please, just let me coach. like, come on, man, just just let me coach. This is what we're going to see in the Scriptures today with Jesus, the coach. People are pushing him to coach. And if there's one main theme that we're going to see today that, that I think is important, this is the big idea of the message, and you should write this down, is let the shepherd shepherd. Don't tell him how to shepherd. Let the shepherd shepherd. And we're going to be looking at John seven fifty three through eight eleven. And before we read, let's pray. Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that you use them, that they're true. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would show up, that Christ would be seen, that, that your words would not fall to the ground, but that they would do their job like you said they would. they would. Show up today. Let them not see me. Let them see Christ. Amen. John 7 53, 8 through 11 reads They went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in the midst. They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Now imagine if you're there, you're in the temple, the best Bible teacher in the world is there, the God-man, Jesus. He's there teaching. Some people might be saying, oh, oh, what's he going to say next? He's probably going to claim to be God again. Or they're just worried about what he's going to say. Or maybe there's excitement. There's just excitement. You're there. You're in church, basically, and Jesus is about to teach and has been teaching. Then all of a sudden, these people bust in and they're dragging this woman to the front. And they place her in front of you. Maybe they threw her in front of him. Maybe they just brought her. But You're like, what in the world is going on? This is is strange. What's going on? I'm sitting here listening to the best Bible teacher in the world, and then you're bringing this woman in, disrupting the whole whole lesson. What in the world's going on? Now, this woman they brought, as we read, she was caught in the act of adultery. They placed her before Jesus. Now, these scribes and Pharisees they were theologians. They were the, the Bible geeks. They had the best Bible jokes you could think of. They were the, the Bible thumpers of the time. They were the rulers of the Jews. And they were also what you consider the politicians of the Jews. They had the law of God, and then they would put laws around the law of God so you wouldn't even come close to hitting that law. But let's give these guys the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say they just wanted the law to be taught rightly. They wanted the law to be followed rightly. And that's a good thing. Because in Psalm 19, 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. But this is a strange situation. Because in the law, in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, the law of Moses, it says, Both, both people shall die for adultery. Both. So where's the man? Where's the man? But as we read, these Pharisees, they had something else going on. They wanted to test Jesus. They had bad motives. They didn't love the law. They hated Jesus. Their issue wasn't with the woman. It was with Jesus. This is like taking the scriptures and beating somebody up with them. It reminds me of of this group that's still around today called the Westboro Baptist people. And I don't even think they're Baptist. But what they do is they show up to places with their little signs, protesting, funerals, military funerals, or wherever they want to go, comic cons, everywhere. And they got these signs that say, God hates you. God hates you, you're going to burn. It's a very unbalanced view of the Scripture. It's all wrath. No love of God, no what he's done for you. And during this time, many people have Moved away from the law, except for the Pharisees. So, this woman caught in adultery, she might have not seen anything wrong with what she was doing. Or maybe she did know, and she just didn't care. Maybe it's what everybody was doing. Come on, man, get with the times. I'm not doing nothing wrong. Join me. Place yourself in this crowd. How how would you be reacting? Say you're out in town or nearby town, and you see a street lady. She's disheveled. She's dirty. Most likely she smells. She's talking to herself, and you know this because she doesn't have a Bluetooth thing in her ear. And she just looks like trouble. Maybe her makeup's not done right. What would your reaction be? Would you be one of the people like the Pharisees and scribes? Get her off the streets. I know she's up to no good. I wish a cop would come and just remove her. Get her out of my sight. I don't want to see her. What would you be saying? What would you be saying to this woman caught in adultery? What if this was your daughter? what would you be saying this was the daughter that you saw born that you kissed her always that you put her to bed you prayed with her you took her out on daddy dates for ice cream you were there for her first broken heart what would you say show me mercy show my daughter mercy now, these Pharisees, the rulers of the Jews, in the scriptures it said they were there to test them. They were trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to trap him with a question. On one side, you got Rome's authority. And on the other side, you got Moses, the law of God. Jesus is stuck, it's a trap. He's stuck in the middle. If Jesus doesn't agree with condemning this woman, then he's rejecting Moses. If Jesus does condemn her, he doesn't have that authority. Only Rome does. So on one side you got Rome, Rome's authority. On the other side you got Moses, the Scripture's authority, the Old Testament. If Jesus agrees to condemn her, he's doing this without Rome's authority. Now the Jews, they were allowed to operate in their own sphere. They were able to do whatever they wanted as long as it was under Rome's authority. So it was kind of like a neighborhood street justice. It's kind of like how we have the federal government and the states. States could do what they want as long as it's within the rules of the federal government. And that's what the Jews, Jewish community was able to do. Rome was like, as long as you do these things, do whatever you want. But as the text said, they were trying to trap Jesus. These scribes and Pharisees, they were bloodthirsty to punish those who would break God's law. They had no concept of the grace of God. So which is it, Jesus? Condemn her or not? It reminds me of the Queen of Hearts. In the Alice in Wonderland, these cards were painting some roses. They painted them the wrong color. Queen's immediate response, off with their heads. One small fraction from anybody, Off with their heads. These are like the scribes and Pharisees right here. Reminds me of another time when somebody would come to my office here, and they'd want some biblical advice, some biblical counseling, and they knew they had sin. They would admit it. And then what I usually do is I pick up my Bible and say, is this true? And they'd say, yes. I'd say, all right, let's do this. Let's run to Jesus. None of us should be going out of our way to the rock pile and to beat somebody up over their sin. So which is it, Jesus? Condemn her or not? What's Jesus going to do here? Now watch what the shepherd does. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. Here Jesus disqualifies them, and he does this with one sentence. Jesus shows He's the authority. It's like he said, You've heard it said of old, Thou should not commit adultery. But I say, If you look at a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart. Jesus takes away their authority with one sentence it's about him. Jesus shows he's the authority, he's the authority over Moses and Rome. And we know she's guilty because Christ addresses sin to the crowd. He's not overlooking sin, He's not downplaying it. But what these people didn't know is they brought this woman to the only person that can help her. They brought her to the only person that can help her with her sin, with her law breaking. So let the shepherd shepherd. Verse 8. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Before you come to Christ, this is how we all stand before him alone, guilty. no hope, no hope outside of Christ. Pretend you're the woman. Who would you want to be taken to? Would you want the mob, or would you want Jesus? Give me Jesus. Then what's Jesus say to her? Verse 10. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. What's your response, Christian? How dare you, Jesus, forgive this sinner? She deserves justice. Condemn her. I got my Jesus, but this woman... She got what's coming to her. Let the shepherd shepherd. Jesus doesn't condemn her because adultery doesn't matter. He said it was sin. But Jesus is showing a new authority himself. His grace, his unmerited favor, something we cannot earn or something we do not deserve. This is Exalts Jesus. It lifts him up. He's the authority. It magnifies his amazing grace. Now, watch what Jesus says next Go from now on, sin no more. Go sin no more. That's a tall order. Have you tried this tall order or command? I have. Have you ever face planted in your sin? Small sin, big sin, boom, face planted. Man, I really messed up. We do that, but we don't stay there. We sin, we fall, we fumble. But our trajectory is upward towards looking more and more like Jesus Christ. There'll be dips. There'll be valleys. There'll be highs. There'll be lows. There'll be plateaus. But if you look at your life, it's looking more and more like Jesus upward. Trying not to sin without experiencing this amazing grace produces Pharisees, hypocrites, moralisms, heartlessness uses of the law. Have you tasted of this amazing grace that Jesus offers? Remember, Jesus isn't talking about perfection. He's talking about direction. Are you in the direction of Jesus? Are you running to Jesus? This reminds me of a story when I experienced human grace. Now, when I was in the Navy, I worked on low-voltage stuff, mainly. Alarms, phones, navigation equipment, announcing systems, all sorts of fun stuff. And one of the main rules for electricians is do not work on energized e- Do not work on stuff that's still powered on. Now, I was tasked with training a new person in my shop. So I was going to replace this alarm. This alarm would go off, power went off to whatever it was attached to. And so, like a lot of us would do, we didn't turn the power off. Take the alarm off, I'm putting the new alarm on, putting the leads on, Little spark. Look at the alarm. I fried the circuit board. Take it back to the shop. Got a bad alarm. Circuit board's fried. One of my lower bosses, he goes, "Eh, it happens sometimes. So I grab a new one, take it up. Uh, I can't remember if I turned the power off this time or not. I hope I did. But I put the leads on. Put it on. No sparks. Tested it. Worked. Go back to the shop. Later on, I find out this person I was training told my lower boss, do you know how that circuit board fried? Manny was working on energized equipment. So then he tells my other boss, my higher-up boss, and for some reason, my higher-up boss, or almost all my bosses, they liked me. So this was a time for what we would call informal counseling. And he looked at me, and he, I, could, I could remember it. He stared at me with his eyes. He goes, you know you messed up, right? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, don't do it again. I was like, all right, yes. But then later on, a while later, This person that I had trained, they got in some bigger trouble. They got in trouble to where she had to go see the chief engineer, which is in charge of the whole engineering department on my ship. And to get herself out of some hot water, guess who she mentioned? Me, that I had worked on energized equipment so he asked my boss is this true he goes yes I counseled him and it was taken care of I've taken care of it so there I experienced amazing grace and it was taken care of it relates to our big idea let the shepherd shepherd go and sin no more How can the shepherd shepherd this way? How can her sin go unpunished? How is Jesus able to do this? Where's the justice? She needs to be condemned. How does God harmonize or agree, bring together this with his justice, his mercy, and his grace? At the cross. Christ is punished for his sheep's sins at the cross. Now he could legally let you out of God's courtroom of justice, forgiven, pardoned forever. Once and for all, justice has been served. We need to let him shepherd. So how do we receive This pardon. How do we receive this forgiveness? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've broken his law. We've lied. We've stolen regardless of its value. We've used used God's name in vain. We've dragged his name through the mud. We've disobeyed our parents. We haven't put God first. We worship other things besides God. So we've broken God's law. We're guilty. And if we're guilty, should I get a reward? No, I should get punished. But that's not what God wants. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that who shall ever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And what our response to this great news is, we pour our, our hot heart to God. We ask him for forgiveness of our law breaking, our sins, name it. Then we turn from our sins. That's repentance. We turn from our sins and not to just some self-help book, making our best life now. We turn towards a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. We place our faith in him for what he did on the cross and rising from the dead. Trust, faith, and we make him our boss. That's Lord. when you do that, he's going to change you, and you will start seeing your life trend upwards to looking more and more like Jesus. So how does this affect the way we live today? Christian, have you ever felt like you've been in a spot like this woman, the woman caught in adultery, caught in sin? The Holy Spirit convicts you, or the Holy Spirit convicts you through the reading of his word? Have you been caught like this woman? Have you ever wondered, how in the world did I get here in my sin? It's like this monster snowball effect. It starts really small sometimes, and it gains traction and traction and traction. And all of a sudden, you're just like face-planted. How did I get here? Have you ever been in your sin alone with Jesus like this woman i remember a time when i was alone with jesus i was in washington state alone from family away from childhood friends away from any church because i wasn't going to church at the time and i was i was heartbroken i was deep in sin and heartbroken. And that's when Christ got a hold of me. That's when I was truly saved. Run to Jesus. Only he can forgive you and pick you back up. It's like there's a hole in the wall and we put a picture over it. Now it looks pretty, right? But guess what? There's a hole behind it. Jesus can make it like that hole was never there. He can heal your emotions. He binds up the brokenhearted. He can heal your deepest scars. It's not Jesus plus this. It's not Jesus plus that. It's not Jesus and this. It's Christ alone. He is sufficient. He alone is your cure. But what about the person who's not yet a believer, who doesn't know Jesus yet? Alone with Jesus is the best place you can be. He will not turn you away. Don't think what you've done is going to make Jesus turn you away. He still wants you. It reminds me of when I was talking to a man. He was involved with some bad people. Bad things. If you knew the people he was around with, you go, oh, yeah, bad dudes. And he told me once. He said, this is before he came to know Christ. He said, you don't know what I've done. And I said, it doesn't matter. Then I told him about Paul in the Bible. Paul was a a Pharisee. He was higher up than a Pharisee. He was part of the Sanhedrin, which is top-notch Pharisees. They know the Bible. This guy, Paul, was ordering the deaths of Christians. He was actively pursuing, pursuing Christ's followers and ordering their deaths. And then what happens to him? Christ, the resurrected Christ shows up to him, saves him, changes his life, becomes a church planter, and writes most of the New Testament. If God could save Paul, he could save you. Now here at Valley Bible Church, we also have lots of events We have reach out events. We want people to come on campus. We want them to know Christ. We have Christmas events. We have Halloween events, Thanksgiving baskets. We have youth events, fundraisers, sports. What if a lady like this woman in the scriptures shows up here? Don't be a Pharisee. In your heart, love them. Love them outwardly. Love them inwardly. Don't fake it. Pray that God will change your heart not to think lowly of them. Not to think they're weird. Not to give them weird looks. Not to have your tone of voice show your disgust for them. Not to have your body language put them off. They'll see it. Remember, we were all without Christ at one time. Let Jesus shine in you and through you. Don't push them away. Don't keep them from showing up. Would Jesus love each other? Love the unbeliever. Point them to Jesus and let the shepherd shepherd. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending us an awesome shepherd in Christ. I pray that we would run to him as believers, as non-believers, and let him shepherd us. Help us to point people to Jesus and watch him work. Watch him do his thing. You're still saving now. You're still saving currently here. Help us to keep pointing people towards Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.